Hey, it's Cody Woodard, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope this message encourages you and helps you see that God wants to do something new in and through your life. Enjoy the message. Wow. Um, I don't know if I'll ever get used to seeing uh, Pastor Stewart up on the screen. Um, thank you, Pastor Cody. Um, you're my best friend and uh, an absolute incredible mentor. Um, you're a mentor I prayed for for years. Um, and I'm just honored to be able to serve underneath you and how you lead this church week in and week out and week in and week out. Um, can we just thank our pastor and especially his wife, Jess. Y'all are um, incredible people and I'm so thankful to get to know you. Um, well, it's my honor to be able to, to speak on what God's kind of shared and spoken to me over the last year or so. Um, can I just pray for us um, as we get started? Father, um, I thank you for, for giving me this opportunity for speaking what you've spoken to me. But God, I ask um, that you would just bring um, a spirit of healing to this room. God, that you would bring um, your spirit into this room, that we would become aware of your presence. God, I thank you for the work that you're doing. Week in and week out, you are here. In your name, amen. I mean, we all can be seated. Who, man. Well, um, if I haven't had the chance to meet you yet, my name is Stuart Leach, and I get the honor of serving as the creative pastor here at Renovation. And excuse me while I try to open my iPad. Man, um, it has been a long year, um, but God's been teaching me a lot, and I'm, I'm really honored to be able to bring the word a little bit today. And we were, in, if you've missed the last couple of weeks, we're in week four of the series, Winning the War in Your Mind. And this has been a super impactful series for me because I've been on my own journey of, of mental health over the last year. Um, and how many of you have just like really received a word over the last three weeks as Pastor Cody has just walked us through this concept of how exactly do we win the war in your mind? And we've been talking about how the battle for our lives is either won or lost up here. And about how most of the battles that we fight are not necessarily physical or public, but they're fought up here. So the first week we talked about taking it captive, about how first we have to identify what lies we're believing so that we can replace those lies with truth so that we can actually bind them up in the name of Jesus. And then week two, we talked about the concept of reframing. A lot of us have past and a lot of us have some past struggles or tensions that we've dealt with. And oftentimes we can, we can tend to view our current situation through the lens of something that happened years ago and how we can actually reframe our, our mindsets and we can actually view our, our Mondays in a different perspective. How different would our Monday look if we looked at our Monday saying, God's going to move on Monday. And then last week, we talked about the idea of the mindset of Jesus, and we went through the 10 mindsets of Jesus. And we talked about how it's actually scientifically possible to rewire your own brain. How when you think one thought, it then becomes easier to think that thought again and again and again. And sometimes that can be negative, but if we think with the mindset of Jesus, that is insanely powerful. And that we can actually rewire our brains and think along the mindset of Jesus. And that when we think with the mindset of Jesus, things begin to shift in our lives. Over the last three weeks, as we've been talking about this, we've had a lot of to-dos, a lot of things to do, a lot of things to think, a lot of perspectives to shift. But today, I want to talk to you all about um, those of us who feel stuck, about we've tried everything. We've tried counseling. We've tried talking to a friend. We've tried praying. We've tried reading the Bible. We've tried everything that Pastor Cody has talked about, and nothing seems to change. 
This has been my story over the last year. I found myself in a situation I never thought I'd find myself in. But today I wanna talk to you about winning the war in your mind when you feel stuck. And when you're taking notes, if you're taking notes, that's the title of my message today, when you feel stuck. So we've been reading through the the book of Philippians and we've been kind of going through a chapter a week, but what we haven't really um, talked about yet, we know that Paul is writing this book um, from a prison cell, but what we haven't talked about is how exactly did Paul get here? Because we all make decisions and we all do things in our lives that lead us into situations, that lead us into areas in our lives. And you don't just wake up one day and find yourself in prison. If you did, that means you made some really bad choices the night before. (laughs) But we all do things or say things or make decisions that put us in the situation that we're in. So I want to take a look and kind of set up some context of what did Paul do? What did he do wrong? What did he say to end up in prison? And to do so, we have to go back to the book of Acts, chapter 13, verses two through four. It says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. The two of them sent on their way, say this next phrase with me, by the Holy Spirit sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down from Shalusha and sailed from there to Cyprus. Now over the next few chapters in Acts, it chronicles Paul's missionary journeys. He goes on a total of three journeys and amazing things begin to happen. He leaves all the friends and the church that he knows and he begins to go on these missionary journeys. And over that time, whole cities begin to show up to hear Paul preach. Thousands are getting saved by the day. He's casting out demons in the name of Jesus. He's doing mighty things in the name of the Lord. So what happened? Where did he mess up? How did he do something wrong to end up where he's at? The interesting thing is he didn't do anything wrong. Paul followed the call on his life. Remember what we just read? He said he was sent by the Holy Spirit and he followed that call. He preached faithfully. There are people who got mad at him for preaching and following the call that God had placed on his life. And that ended up putting him in prison. And over the next few years after the book of Philippians, he sits in prison waiting for some sort of judgment to stick because he hasn't done anything wrong and they can't find any fault. So why is he in prison? He's not following the call in his life anymore, right? Paul's not seeing thousands of people come to Jesus anymore. So did did Satan win? Is God not in control anymore? And what I wanna talk to you about today, some of us can get stuck, but sometimes the right decisions will lead you to difficult destinations. The right decisions can lead you to difficult destinations. So what about you? Have you ever thought that before? Uh, How exactly did I get here? Have you ever found yourself in in a situation that you never thought you'd be in? Ever found yourself struggling with a thought pattern that you never thought you'd struggle with? Because in in our minds, we tend to think, um, we have a dream of where we wanna be and where we think God is calling us. And when our experience in the now doesn't match up with our dream, we can tend tend to get stuck in this thought process of I'm not supposed to be here. Have you, have you ever felt that before, a stuck in supposed to? Um, we, we, you know, you go to college and like, I'm supposed to have the job that I want. Uh, I, I manage my finances well, so I'm supposed to have the big house and a Ferrari. I'd receive that, Lord, if you're listening. Um, <laughs> I, I date right, so I should have the spouse that I want. I lead my family well, so my kids should be perfect. <laughs> um, sorry, mom. Uh, <laughs> 
we tend to get stuck in this thought process of I'm not supposed to be here. And we tend to think that if we just make the right decisions and do all the right things, that'll always lead us to the destination that we want. And when it doesn't happen, we give up. We get frustrated. We get stuck in this mental, I'm not supposed to be here. But what I wanna to talk to you about today is the idea of supposed to. Some of us are thinking, I'm supposed to have perfect kids. I'm supposed to have a perfect marriage. I'm supposed to be out of debt. I'm supposed to want to read my Bible every day for six hours. <laughs> I'm supposed to feel happy. And if I can be honest with y'all, this isn't exactly an area that I've had a ton of victory in um, over this last year. I know we all had a tough time with COVID. It was insane and um, I just didn't know what to do. Um, and I found myself in a situation of struggling with anxiety and depression for the very first time in my life. And I, I don't wanna just throw out those words, anxiety and depression without bringing some sort of definition as to what that looks like. Because for the longest time in my circles, those words were just thrown around flippantly and I had no clue what it's like to struggle with, with these thought patterns. Um, and so what it looks like for me is I don't oftentimes get the choice of what feelings I feel in the moment. I don't get to choose. I can be having the best day of my life, nothing's going wrong, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I'm hit with a massive wave of heavy emotion. And I'm left with three options in that moment. I either try to fight it, I either let it hit me and drag me away and ruin the rest of my day, or I let it hit me, roll over me, and pray that everything will just be okay on the other side. And this all kind of came to head to me um, last October um, my grandfather passed away last October due to co complications with COVID-19, and it was a really tough time on my family. Um, just uh, my, my grandfather lived in North Carolina, and uh, my dad and my family are in Pennsylvania, and so it was just they weren't able to be there. Um, and I remember going to the funeral. It was just a tough time on our family. I remember pulling up, uh, my, my mom pulling up in the van and lowering her window and not getting out of the car and continuing to wear a mask because there was just so much fear and I couldn't hug my own mom. And I remember that just like breaking me. And so uh, it was a tough time, but it brought the family together. And we decided that we wanted to take a family vacation. So we went to the mountains in North Carolina later that, that month. And I remember um, just like, all right, finally, a rest. Church online has been a lot. I finally get some chance to like rest, maybe receive a little bit of a peace from God. This is gonna be great. I'm gonna spend so much time in my Bible. <laughs> um, <and laughs> I'm gonna pray every day for six hours. That did not happen. Um, but I remember I was like, God, I'm gonna get some time away. You're gonna to speak to me and everything's gonna be fine. And newsflash, that's not how it went. That week was the hardest week of my life. And twice over that week, I considered taking my own life. And I don't know how to explain to you all what it's like to be fearful of your own thoughts, but that's where I was. And I remember sending panic texts to Pastor Cody and just wanting to talk to somebody and just like, God, what is going on? You promised me happiness. You promised me joy. You promised a fulfilling life. Why am I struggling with this? What's wrong? And I feel like Paul can relate. I always felt like Paul can relate to that feeling of what's wrong. I'm not supposed to be dealing with this. I'm not supposed to struggle. I'm not supposed to be in prison. I'm not supposed to struggle with depression. I'm not supposed to struggle with these thoughts. What's wrong with me, God? What's, what's going on? 
So let's take a look, um, Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through 8. Let's take a look at what exactly Paul is thinking in prison. Because I think as we're talking about the idea of winning the war in your mind, this will give us a better perspective of what Paul's thinking. So chapter, uh, verse, chapter 3, verse 7. It says, but wherever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. He says, I consider them what? Garbage. garbage. Excuse me, Paul? What do you mean garbage? You were preaching to thousands. You were preaching to whole cities. Thousands are coming to Jesus. You were casting out demons in the name of Jesus and you count it all as garbage? How in the world can Paul think like this? The literal translation of that word garbage actually means dung. Paul is literally saying, I count all of my past successes garbage. I count them as dung. I count them as crap. I count them as um, stuff. <laughs> How in the world can Paul be saying his past successes are crap compared to knowing Jesus? Paul is winning the war in his mind. That's how. Paul is winning the war in his mind. He may be in shackles physically, but his mind is free. So let's take a look. Let's take a look at how exactly does Paul achieve this? What do we do when we feel stuck? Let's move on. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. It says, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. Now we can tend to get stuck in three kind of thought patterns or three different areas. And the first one is legalism. And this is kind of what this is talking about. We tend to think that we're supposed to be perfect, right? You know, we, we show up at church and everything's put together. Um, I, I had literally had not worn these shoes once before this morning. And I wore different shoes to walk into this building because I didn't want to scuff them. <laughs> and we, have, we tend to put off this air of like, I want to be perfect. I, I want to do everything right. And this, this tend to falls into legalism. If I just follow all of the right rules, if I keep everything together, then everything will work out for me. And we can get stuck in this thought pattern because newsflash, we can't keep all the rules. And eventually when we mess up, we'll get stuck in this thought pattern of I'm not enough, I didn't keep the rules. My bad, I didn't keep the rules again and again and again. And we get stuck in this thought pattern of I just need to keep all the rules. Another one is complacency. And this is what Paul was talking about in verses seven through eight. Um, complacency, like Paul wasn't comfortable in prison. And I think if, if we're going to be honest with ourselves, a lot of us tend to tie comfortable and Christianity together in the same sentence. We tend to think that as soon as things get uncomfortable, something must be wrong. As soon as things get uncomfortable, I, I'm not as close to Jesus as I'm supposed to be. Um, I need to get closer to Jesus because if I'm close to Jesus, then everything's going to be perfect. Everything's going to be fine and I'm going to be comfortable. But Paul's goal isn't comfort. Paul's goal is Jesus. And the third one is past successes. We can get caught up in everything in our past and tend to always look to our past successes for validation in the now. God used me back then, so, so God's gonna use me the same way now. I, I got the medals. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I, I won uh, first place ribbons at the Pennsylvania um, Farm Show for square dancing seven years in a row. Um, <laughs> 
So in case y'all are wondering as to why I'm up here, that's why. Um, <laughs> there is no video evidence. Please don't look it up. <laughs> but we do that all the time, don't we? We look to our past successes to try to validate ourselves in the now. Instead of using God's grace and God's mercy as the only thing that validates us to have any sort of authority to speak the word, to speak truth into people's lives. It doesn't matter what I've done, it matters what he's done. Let's keep reading. Verse 13 says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But take note of this. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining forward to what is ahead. Forgetting what is behind. I, I don't know about you, but um, I have a hard time forgetting the lie I told two days ago, much less the Oreo that I took out of the open bag in the Kroger uh, marketplace when I was six years old. Um, <laughs> for, forget, forget my past? What exactly is Paul talking about here? And I, I'm a, I'm a to-do list person. To-do lists change my life, um, and they really help me stay organized. So when, when, I'm, when I feel stuck, I tend to look around and be like, all right, God, like, what do I need to do? And the one thing Paul says to do here is forget your past. And I was just kind of left with like, what do you mean forget your past? How exactly am I supposed to do that? Why do we stay stuck? But notice what he says he does. Forgetting what is behind and straining forward to what is ahead. He forgets his past by fixing his focus. You have to fix your focus on what is ahead. Don't get caught up in your past. Don't get caught up. Set your mind on what is ahead. Paul is fixing his focus on what God has ahead of him. He's not getting caught up in his past successes. He's not getting caught up in that he's stuck in a prison now. He's getting caught up in the future God has for him. And little did he know that he would be impacting Christians for thousands and thousands of years for these letters. You cannot change your past, but Jesus can change your future. You may not be able to change or control what has happened to you, but you can control whether or not it continues to enslave you in the now. So read on to verse 14. It says, I press on to receive, I press on to the end of the race to receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. Where do you think God is calling you? I think this is a really important question to answer. What exactly is winning the war to you? Because if we're being honest, a lot of us are not seeking the heavenly prize that God is taught, that he's talking about. We're seeking an earthly one. We're seeking release from our problems. We're seeking financial blessings. We're seeking family blessings. We're seeking all of these stuff. And we're asking God, God, would you just bless me financially? God, would you bless my family? God, would you heal this person? And how often do we ask for blessings with the intention of wasting them on ourselves? What would you do with that spouse if God gave them to you? How would you honor God in that marriage? How would you honor God if he actually helped you become debt-free? How would you honor God and your family if he gave you the kids that you're praying for? We intend to ask God for blessings and then want to waste them on ourselves. Why would God give us a blessing that we intend to waste? God gives us blessings so that we can pour them out. He pours more in so that we can pour out more to other people. When you're asking for blessings, have a plan. How are you gonna use that to glorify him? 
He loves to give us good blessings. He loves to give us good gifts, but so that we can give it back to him, so that we can give even more to him. Have a plan for those blessings. You will never, ever get out of stuck with your focus on the wrong prize. If you are trying to receive an earthly prize, you will ever feel stuck because God doesn't promise that to you. If you are seeking something God doesn't promise, you will forever feel stuck, like you're grinding your gears, trying to get somewhere, and God is not helping you get there. He wants to help you get to the heavenly prize. You have to define the prize. You have to define what that prize is to you. The earthly prize is different, but the heavenly prize, the heavenly prize is relationship with Jesus. The heavenly prize is peace that surpasses all understanding. The heavenly prize is joy. I don't know about you, but I want a prize that is more than just release from my problems. I don't want to just be comfortable. I want to grow. I want to do things. I want to help bring people to Jesus. I want to help change whole cities in his name. I want to help bring healing to those who need it. I want to be a place that the Holy Spirit rests within me and that I can help bring healing to people. Yesterday, um, Yesterday we went to um, breakfast and waited an hour. Um, they told us 20 minutes, but we waited an hour. And I, I was getting pretty frustrated. I was like, y'all told me 20 minutes, it's cold. I'm sitting outside, it was like 90 degrees two days ago, where's the sun? Uh, <laughs> um, and we were literally sitting outside first watch in Hendersonville. My, my family drove all the way down from Pennsylvania to be here. And uh, I, we're waiting and I'm hungry. It's 10 a.m. It's about time for some brunch. And um, there's, we're sitting at a table and there's this lady sitting next to us. And she's just sitting out there reading. Um, and I was, I was talking to my, my college roommate who's in town from Indiana and, and playing him some, some songs that we wrote and we were talking about these awesome chords and we were fighting over, was it a five over seven or a five over flat seven? And um, we were fighting over music theory. <laughs> um, and, and what I didn't know was the lady sitting next to us, her friend had committed suicide the day before and he was a songwriter. And we waited an hour for a table in what I think is cold weather. <laughs> Um, so that we could have the opportunity to pray with this lady and give her some hope. Because she, she was under the assumption that her friend didn't go to heaven because he took his own life. But we were able to pray with her. We were able to give her some hope. Sometimes it just takes being available, being willing to get beyond your own discomfort, to know that someone in your life, someone God's place near you needs some healing. And we have the opportunity, we have the spirit in us to offer that to people. Sometimes it takes getting out of our own discomfort and seeking the heavenly prize, not the earthly one that was French toast. And newsflash, I still got my French toast. <laughs> what prize are you seeking? Are you seeking a heavenly prize or an earthly one? Let's keep reading. Verse 13. Let all who are spiritually what? Mature. mature. <laughs> spiritually mature. Agree on these things. <laughs> if you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. When you feel stuck, don't get stupid. <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and say, don't be stupid. <laughs> don't be stupid. Oh, I have not lived this one out well. Um, so uh, this reminds me of a story when I, when I was a kid. 
Um, me and my brother would play hide and go seek a lot, and we decided we wanted to spice it up one day. And uh, <laughs> so basically, it, it turned into he was like, "All right, you need to keep your eyes closed the entire time, and I'm going to have this item, and you're going to have to try and find this item in the house." I was like, "Dope." The catch I wasn't aware of is that he could move that item at any time whenever he felt like it. And so essentially it turned into a taming of the bull situation where I was running into furniture all over the house and anytime I got close, he'd just olay me and step to the side. So I did what any good 12 year old would do, I cheated. Um, and so I, I stood there, closed my eyes, I squinted, saw he was right in front of me and shut my eyes, grinned and ran full tilt forward. And of course, he olays me again, and I run face first into a metal corner of a wall. <laughs> and I don't know if you know this or not, but if your face meets a metal object, typically the metal object wins. Um, and I ended up shattering half of my front tooth, having to get a root canal at 12 years old. Um, so uh, this tooth is actually fake. Props to my dentist for, it's not been, not been a problem for the rest of my life. <laughs> but how often do we do that in our daily lives? We get so frustrated and stuck where we're at that we stop relying on God and we start looking forward and assume we know what's in front of us, shut our eyes and just run straight into what God was trying to keep us from. When you get stuck, don't get stupid. God is trying to teach you something when you feel stuck. Maybe God is giving you a little bit of weight to see what you'll do with it. Maybe God is giving you a little bit of weight to see if you'll have faith. How would we ever work out our faith if we never have any tension in our lives to do with it? God gives us a little bit of weight to find out what's in us. God gives us a little bit of weight to give us opportunity to work out our faith. Sometimes when we pray, when we pray, God, God, please um, take this blessing, uh, take this burden from me. We're essentially asking, God, can you please help me not struggle? And God doesn't promise that. That's not to say that he can't. That's not to say that he even won't. Sometimes he loves to give us blessings and he will take that struggle from you. But what's important to understand is that even if he doesn't, he hasn't broken a promise to you. He's still God. He's still good. Even if he doesn't take the burden away from you. But what he does promise, what he does promise is in Matthew 28, I will always be with you. I will always be with you. Even if you're in shackles physically, your mind can be free because Jesus will meet you in it. Maybe the prayer isn't, God, take this burden away from me. Maybe the prayer is, God, show me what you want me to show. Show me what you want me to learn. I originally came down to Nashville about four years ago for an internship um, with a local church. And um, it was a life-changing summer for me. I figured out things about myself, about my leadership, about church, and that I never even thought were in me. And I remember um, at the end of that summer, I'm going home and almost not going back to college. because like, what am I doing? Just getting a piece of paper and some debt. Um, but <laughs> um, and I remember leaving being like, God, you're, you're calling me back to Nashville. I know I'm supposed to be here. And I prayed, and I remember um, I, I prayed when I graduated college, God, just provide a way for me to get back to Nashville. And he provided miraculously. I remember uh, one day I went to my parents and I'm like, hey, um, I have to move to Nashville tomorrow. And they're like, what? Um, I was like, I, I prayed something that I shouldn't have prayed to God, and I made him a promise, and now I have to fulfill on it. <laughs> um, 
And so I moved down to, to Nashville um, about three years ago, um, moved in with a good friend who's actually um, here today. Uh, and um, I paid over half of all of my money for my first month's rent. No plan, didn't have a job, didn't know anything. I just knew I was supposed to be here. And I fully expected that I was gonna start working at that church within like a few weeks. Um, and I ended up working um, in restaurants, waiting tables downtown, which is something I told myself I'd never do. And I proceeded to wait for two years for something to happen. Opportunity after opportunity after opportunity passed me by and I began to doubt my call. God, I thought you called me into ministry. God, I thought you provided miraculously. I'm supposed to be in Nashville, right? What gives? I began to question my identity. I began to question my faith. I began to question my call into ministry. I began to question what he'd done. And what I didn't realize was God was using that season to build some things into me that I'd need in the next. God was using that season to build some peace into me. God was using that season to build some prayer life into me. God was using that season to build some strength into me. God was using that season to build some patience into me. God was using that season to build some stuff into me, a love for his word, a love for his church, a love for people. You have no idea what God wants to do with you on the other side of stuck. Maybe you're stuck on purpose. Maybe you're stuck on a purpose, on purpose and for a purpose, because God is building some things into you that you're gonna need in the next season. Because what I didn't realize is that two years ago, I got an Instagram DM from a guy I barely knew who ghosted me for two years. <laughs> That's Pastor Cody. Out of nowhere, I get an Instagram DM saying, hey man, I'm doing a worship night for this church I'm planning in Gallatin. Would you come play for that worship night for me? And I was like, yeah, man, you know, I live like two blocks from you, right? <laughs> and I showed up about two years ago to this building for the first event Renovation Church ever did in this building. side of stuck if you will just be patient if you'll be patient if you'll continue to have faith in the Lord if you'll continue to use the weight that he's given you to work out your faith to trust him to know that he still has a plan for your life that it's not done it's not finished that you're not done God's not done with you yet God is not done with you yet Philippians 3.16, only let us live up to what we have already attained. Don't give up. Don't give up. Some of us are struggling so much in our minds. We're back and forth. We're all over the place. But what God has been teaching me over the last year is just because there's weight doesn't mean that's bad. Sometimes God gives us a little bit of weight so that we can practice our faith. Sometimes God gives us a little bit of weight because he wants to build some things into us. And there's a different kind of weight. Second Corinthians, either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe Christ died for all, we also believe we have died to our old life. You know, that's how you can forget your past. 
knowing that Christ took that to the grave. You don't have to live and change to that anymore because Christ took it to the grave. He died and we're united to him. So we have died to our old life. But one thing, I read that verse in my, my personal study about two months ago, and I was like, what is that word controls doing in there? When I think of love, controls is the last thing that I think of. I don't think of love as controlling. And so I looked up the Greek word, that, that word controls come from the Greek word tenecho. And tenecho means to hold, to press on every side, to hold together completely. And this is what changed it for me. That same Greek word that's used in 2 Corinthians is used in Luke chapter 12 to describe the weight that Jesus took to the cross. That same word, the same weight that Jesus took to the cross is the same weight that he uses to hold you together now, to hold you together now. He's pressing you on every side with the massive weight of his love for you. The weight that he took to the cross is the massive weight that he uses to hold you together. No matter what you're going through, he's there He's in it and he loves you anyways. Maybe the weight that you feel is God showing his love to you. Is God showing you that he still loves you, that you still have a purpose, that you still have some things in you that he's calling out, that he's calling some purpose out of you, that he's calling some things out of you. But there's also another kind of weight. And that's the weight of our sin. And that weight will crush you. That's a weight that you cannot carry. That weight will crush you and take you to the grave. But the good news is that's why Jesus went to the cross. That is what he took to the cross for you. That weight, that's a weight that he can carry and that he chose to carry for you. He chose by his great mercy to take that weight to the cross so that you would not be crushed by it so that he could meet you in your situation, so that he could meet you in your way, so that he could grow you into the person that he's called you to be. All it takes is accepting that gift. All it takes is saying, Jesus, I believe that what you did on the cross is enough for me. That the cross that was meant for me, that you carried for me, the grave that was meant for me, that's where my sin lays now. And some of y'all, you've been struggling for so long, trying everything possible. You've tried counseling, you've tried talking to a friend, you've tried medication, and you cannot get free of the thoughts that burden you. And I've come to give you good news today because Jesus is offering the freedom that you look for. Jesus is offering that freedom that you're looking for. Let's pray. God, I thank you. God, I thank you that you've carried the weight. God, that you have carried the weight, that you hold us together. God, that you are holding us together with the massive weight of your love for us. And I wanna pray for those of you who are accepting Jesus for the first time. All it takes is saying, Jesus, I believe that you're enough for me. That what you did on the cross is enough for me. 
And if you wanna get introduced to Jesus for the first time today, can you just raise your hand? I'd love to pray for you. I'd love to pray for you. Come on. Just pray this with me. God, I believe that what you did on the cross is enough for me. That the weight that you carried is the weight that you used to set me free. God, I believe that you are my savior, that you are enough. And God, I give my life to you. I give my faith to you. And I believe that I'm one with you from now and for eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, can we stand? And the Bible says that anyone who accepts Jesus, that all of heaven rejoices with them, that all of heaven rejoices. So can we rejoice with those who just accepted Christ for the very first time? Is His goodness and mercy and the power of the blood. And I'm so glad that my freedom wasn't based on what I've done. But the goodness and mercy and the power of the blood This is goodness and mercy and the power of the blood This is goodness and mercy and the power of His blood I want to pray for one more group of people And that's those of us who feel stuck today those of us who feel like we've tried everything and we just can't seem to make any progress. We can't seem to feel that freedom. I want to pray for you today. So if, you, if, you're, if you're wanting some freedom, if you're wanting God to, to give you some freedom in your mind, would you just raise your hand? I want to pray for you. I want to pray a blessing over you. I want to pray some prophetic prayer over you. God, God, you are doing a mighty work here. God, I pray for a prayer of healing. God, that you would bring mental healing in this place. God, I pray against anxiety. God, I pray against depression, that that would have no place in this church. God, that that would have no place in this church, that the lies that the devil is telling us, God, that you would replace it with your truth. God, that if there are any suicidal thoughts in this room, that God, that you would break them off in the name of Jesus. God, you would break that off in the name of Jesus, that you would free us in our minds. God, you would meet us where we are at. God, that you would hold us together with the massive weight of your mercy, with the massive weight of your love. God, that you are bringing healing. God, that you are bringing mental healing. God, that you would free us in our minds, that this would be a church where people know that they are loved, where people know that they are one in you, and that people, that people would know, God, that this would be a church where people are free, where people are free, Jesus. Jesus, would you free some people in your name? Thank you so much for listening to the message today. If it encouraged you in any way, we would love to hear about it. Send us an email to stories at renovation.church. And if you'd like to partner with us financially and help us continue to reach people all over the world, you can do that by going to our website, renovation.church. Have a blessed day.